Welcome to the New Renaissance Bookcast with me, David Lorimer, from the Scientific and Medical Network. In this episode, I'm going to review three books. One is Choosing Earth by Duane Elgin. Uh, then we have The Call to Unite, edited by Tim Shriver and Tom Rochert. And finally, Our Moment of Choice, edited by Robert Atkinson, Kurt Johnson and Deborah Moldo. So these are all about global emergence and shift and the facing of adversity, which we are currently up against. So Choosing Earth by Duane Elgin. The title of my review comes from a film corresponding to the book and which reflects our collective evolutionary challenge on which Duane has been working since the 1970s when he was a senior staff member of the Presidential Commission on the American Future. Already at that time, he thought that the 2020s would represent the beginning of the crunch point, and here indeed we are, facing the implications of systems and trends that we ourselves have co-created as a planetary emergency. He writes, we have reached the limits of the Earth's capacity to sustain our current trajectory of growth, and are confronted with an ecological and evolutionary wall and that demands a conscious choice for regenerative living on the Earth. This book provides both a vision of a possible great transition towards a mature planetary civilization, as well as a warning of what is highly likely to happen if we fail to choose this in a timely manner by developing a new sense of species identity. For this, we need to go long, wide and deep, looking squarely at prospects for breakdown and collapse due to ecological overshoot and the relentless momentum of business as usual devoted to further consumption and economic growth. I think Duane is right when he envisages three possible scenarios. One, chaos, crash and collapse. Two, authoritarian control with artificial intelligence, the World Economic Forum Great Reset. And three, a great transition and transformation. Clearly, the third scenario is the most desirable and corresponds to the more decentralised vision of the World Social Forum. The next part analyses probable stages for the great transition based on eight drivers, global warming and climate disruption, water scarcity, food scarcity, climate refugees, species extinction, world population, economic growth slash breakdown, and economic inequities. He sees the 2020s as the recognition of crisis involving a great unravelling, the 2030s as collapsing civilizations, the 2040s as a fire of initiation involving extinction and upheaval, that create the necessary pressure to foster a great awakening during the 2050s and beyond. All this makes for grim but realistic reading that extrapolates existing trends and demands radical collective action, perhaps coordinated by extensive electronic town meetings. The reality is that the sustainable carrying capacity of the Earth is between 2 and 4 billion people with European lifestyles. I felt an anticipatory grief at these prospects, and a residual hope that we can change from inspiration rather than desperation. One technology held out for the 2060s is large-scale geoengineering to limit global warming, but this kind of weather, mo weather modification is already illicitly in place. If you look at uh, www.geoengineeringwatch.org and their new film The Great Dimming, these scenarios close, closely match the visions of Chris Beish in his LSD in the Cosmic Mind, 
where the evolutionary pressure has to ramp up before we achieve a breakthrough involving healing, reconciliation, restoration, and creative adaptation. This is in fact what we need to do now, as Vandana Shiva and others have been arguing for decades. Duane presents seven foundations of the great transition, turning towards aliveness and drawing on indigenous wisdom, waking up, growing up, reconciling, communicating, building community, and choosing simplicity. This begins with a radical overhaul of the idea that we are separate beings living in a dead and meaningless universe towards a relational world infused with aliveness and realized in immediate experience. Quantum physics and holistic science are filling out this picture of an interconnected universe becoming conscious of itself as a learning system. This gives rise to kinship, empathy and compassion with a wider and deeper understanding of mutual responsibility rather than passive acquiescence in relation to the status quo. Reconciliation and community will be important at every level within a circular economics based on aliveness and well-being rather than consumption and growth. Duane makes specific suggestions for individual action based on the question, what can we do to bring our collective lives into alignment with the regenerative needs of the earth? An important component is to hold our institutions accountable in also working towards this goal. As things stand at present, the immediate future seems to be going in the direction of authoritarianism control as represented by the Great Reset, which we see COVID which sees COVID as a huge window of opportunity to accelerate this process involving 5G smart city technocracy and biodigital convergence, as I've written elsewhere. Huge financial power and resources are driving this agenda, and our profound challenge is to reimagine and implement the great transition envisaged here. The same AI technology is being applied by the military to warfare, while there remains the ever-present danger of nuclear weapons. This book, along with many others, shows that analytical diagnosis is easier than formulating the specifics of a collective way forward, especially when current world institutions are not taking on these existential challenges as a planetary emergency, dominated as they are by vested national interests and outdated ways of thinking. Another key element, in my view, is a reorientation of the agricultural and food systems towards health and regeneration biodiversity rather than monoculture. Being fully informed is a crucial first step, and you can go to www.choosingearth.org to download a PDF copy and become part of this essential creative process of reimagining and implementing a truly humane and sustainable future. The next two books are The Call to Unite and Our Moment of Choice, which I head up a planetary bifurcation. As readers will be aware, the strapline of our webinar program is One Mind, One Planet, One Health, a theme strongly reflected in both of these inspirational and prophetic books, respectively entitled Voices of Hope and Awakening and Evolutionary Visions and Hope for the Future. This common theme of hope was also articulated by Jonathan Porritt in his webinar last year and in the title of his book Hope in Hell. Hope has to be enacted, ideals manifested in the world. The experience of the last year, characterised in one contribution as being in the same storm rather than the same boat, has served to reinforce the necessity of expanding our sense of belonging 
into what Alex Evans calls a larger us, which involves healing collective trauma and injustice, as well as overcoming separation, divisions and polarizations. In his foreword, Tim Shriver writes that we get belonging by giving it, becoming more whole in the process. In conceiving the event and the book, The Call to Unite, he asked how we can move from a culture that divides us to a culture that unites us. The choice at every crisis point, divide or unite, blaming the other or become the other. He continues, we're tired of hostility, we're starving for unity, we're telling a new story of who we are, we're all connected as one people. We find joy in each other's joy. We find purpose in each other's happiness. We find belonging without excluding. We seek forgiveness through forgiving. We find our identity without othering. We feel called to unite. This is a universal call that is now resonating through the planet in many forms, one of which is a trend towards empathy and kindness. The Call to Unite consists of many short chapters and poignant photos in six parts. Love in the Madness, Stories of the Pandemic. Pain Always Leaves Us a Gift, Insightful Personal Change. Magic Enters the Room, Stories and Practices of Transformation. No Boundaries Are Real, Seeing Unity in Humanity. Our Only Chance to Triumph, Love in Action. And finally, Renew the Face of the Earth, A Call to Love. Contributors speak from the heart and from their direct experience, which conveys many essential messages about life and living. In a conversation between physicist Alan Lightman and Oprah Winfrey, Lightman describes his mystical experience when he felt connected to all time, all life, and lost track of his ego. The lesson was to slow down, to live a less frenzied life, and to reconnect with stillness. There are many examples of good people sacrificing for the common good, good, and Rick Warren observes that people respond with their best when the best is asked of them. He himself starts and ends his day with refueling his soul. Marianne Williamson focuses on the loveless way in which we have organized society over many decades, resulting in widespread mental distress. She writes that we were created to love each other, but only fierce love is up to the mark, since a loveless world order <clears throat> will not give up its power easily. Eckhart Tolle sees the possibility of awakening out of chaos, emphasizing the centrality of our state of consciousness that needs to be rooted in being. Dr. Stephanie Sabari and Maria Shriver talk about the soul of the parent, describing how we have been fast-tracking children on this endless conveyor belt towards a false utopia of happiness and success, and it's failed. Children are not feeling successful. They're not feeling happy. They're feeling angst-ridden. They're stressed out with record levels of anxiety, suicidality, and disconnection. This linear track towards success is a toxic path of the ego, driven by the projection of unmet needs of parents onto children and lacking any authentic contact with the depth dimension. In his last piece before his death, Sir Ken Robinson identifies a long-term crisis in our way of life and a lack of fulfillment. He draws fascinating parallels between industrial agriculture and our education system, <coughs> both of which are based on yield and output, on the plant rather than cultivating the soil. He feels that humans flourish under certain conditions and wither in others, and that school ethos or culture is a soil to tend with compassion, collaboration and empathy. 
Scarlett Lewis writes that we can choose how we respond to life and we can always respond with love. Nurturing healing love actually translates into a powerful and profound formula that can lead us to choose love in any situation. This is also likely to involve courage, gratitude and forgiveness in the spirit of service. The Dalai Lama encourages us to reach out to each other with compassion and that only by coming together in a coordinated global response will we meet the unprecedented magnitude of the challenges we face. In the epilogue, Maria Shriver highlights unifying truths that we're all seeking the same things. We're all seeking dignity. We're all seeking joy. We all want to be seen, to be valued, to be understood, to be loved. Space permits only a small sampling of the many treasures to be found in this book, which is an invaluable inspirational resource for our time. I urge you to read it. Our moment of choice brings together 43 evolutionary leaders to reflect on a series of interconnected crises that threaten our very survival at a time when there are also signs of a global shift in consciousness, uh, whereby we can co-create a flourishing, life-affirming future. The content was arranged in uh, seven circles. Bridge building, restoring ecological balance, conscious enterprise and social change, healing ourselves and the planet, integrating science and spirituality, new frontiers beyond space and time, and finally the big picture. The message of this book is also that we need to come together in a synergistic convergence of the worldwide network of interconnected humanity, ushering in the next level of human consciousness. Readers are an integral part of the collective field of love and healing that will generate a heart-centered future based on procreation, compassion, appreciation and cooperation co-creation rather than procreation. Interestingly, this corresponds to a rebalancing of left and right hemisphere thinking as propounded in the seminal cultural work of Ian McGilchrist. He said in a lecture, the left hemisphere does not do empathy. While the Bulgarian sage Peter Dernoff foresaw a shift of culture from mind to heart over 80 years ago. Again, there are too many riches here to be able to give more than a few indications of the guidance where each chapter is summarised by a spotlight and call to action. Greg Braden shows how we can change our story and hence our world from one of separation and fear to oneness and interconnectedness. John Perkins is one of the few contributors explicitly aware of global manipulation of opinion through a system based on war or threat of war that ironically entails the destruction of the very resources upon which war depends. For him, this is a death economy, consuming itself to extinction. He identifies the characteristics of this death economy, comparing it with a life economy, perhaps best illustrated by the contrast between industrial and regenerative agriculture. The former involves suppressing biodiversity by killing life, pesticides, insecticides, herbicides, fungicides, where the suffix side tellingly means to kill, as in suicide. Larry and Barbie Dossie remind us of the metaphysical centrality of one mind corresponding to one life, where a sense of connectedness leads to love and love to caring. Our existence is based on unity, connectedness and cooperation, not on separation, competition and rugged individuality as we've been taught. The act of caring arises naturally from these intrinsic relationships. Justin Fairman writes about evolving our culture from breakdown to breakthrough, 
recommending that we mirror the pattern of the decentralized self-organizing systems that are at the heart of how nature operates and have been refined and tested over billions of years to produce life-affirming outcomes at the planetary scale. This is the opposite of, um, of mechanistic centralized control. He proposes sorting for deep self-healing and symbiosis at all levels, shifting from logic to intuitively driven thought and action, and fostering the development and expression of purpose at scale, noting that 75% of people have no sense of purpose. Robert Atkinson proposes a series of unifying principles to, uh, to live by, while Irvin Laszlo identifies evolutionary trends towards feeling, healing and consciousness. Barbara Marks Hubbard sees a crisis of birth that is giving rise to an invisible inner structure and a process of synergistic convergence. Elizabeth Sartouris provides the afterword in a letter to her great-granddaughter. She sees the transmutation of energy from anger and hate to love, from war to peace, from fierce competition to caring collaboration as a matter of maturation of our growing up as a human species. Taken together, these books provide powerful blueprints for evolutionary transformation towards a heart-based centre, a heart-based culture of belonging, empathy, love and kindness. It's crucial that increasing numbers of people take this possibility seriously enough to engage in the necessary inner and outer work together to bring about its ultimate realisation. A renewed flourishing of life depends on it. So those are my books for uh, this episode, and I look forward to seeing you at a future one. Thank you.